welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All with Well Life Tribe. We're sponsored by Renourish. Renourish are delicious grab-and-go fresh soups in a pioneering, heatable, fully recyclable bottle. Renourish soups are plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free and packed with vitamins. Find them in all Waitrose stores. Hi, and welcome to the Well Life Tribe weekly podcast, One Size Does Not Fit All, with me, Liberty, and today I'm joined by... Hello, it's Kat. It's Kat. Kat, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Um, I'm okay, actually. I'm having a better week this week. (laughs) Week six. Week six? Week six. Jeez, I know. Yes, I find week six better than week five. Do you? Yeah, in the land of homeschooling, especially. Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we are in different rooms. (laughs) That seems more manageable. So you've gone from... I was trying to work and they were like, what does this mean? (laughs) I don't know. You know, (laughs) doing a bit more work and they were going, do you know this? No, go knock on daddy's door. You know, just, uh, I don't know. It was every five minutes. It was quite a lot to take last week. Um, Yeah. Actually, since we've separated rooms um they it's a bit of an effort for them to um come into my room <laughs> so they only come when they really need something which is good <laughs> it's good they'll start working things out for themselves rather than getting up off their chair walking to find you exactly. <laughs> um, that's good it's good it gets themselves starting i'm starting to absolutely no complaints first of all I, every day i i am i'm so thankful that we're all well and and, and together and but um i'm i think i just need uh i don't know i've started doing that thing where i'll start i was saying to you earlier i was trying to make food for everyone and i just was half i went to the fridge to get something but i forgot that i was walking to the fridge and i just walked off into the hallway and i stood in the hallway and i was sort of looking at the dog and i was thinking i was like errol why am i here <laughs> and i stood there for about two minutes and then i was like i didn't mean to come out here i meant to go to the fridge and i'm just i and i half made a sandwich then i walked off and i was looking at a magazine and then i came back and i started to i don't know fold some washing and i've just lost focus a bit today so i'm uh, a bit a bit dizzy today and i think I don't know. The rain doesn't. It's nice when it's sunny, isn't it? Although I did, um, I did do a sneaky charity drop today. I'm dropping off at my local uh, Cobham Invisible Hands, and they're yeah. collecting uh, food for the elderly and vulnerable. Um, so once a week, I kind of get my Batman clothes on and <laughs> get all the food in the back of the car, and sort of. It's like my little mission. I don't know. I love oh. to do it at the moment only because I think I want to get out. You know, like I am yeah. desperate to get out, but without yeah. wanting to break the rules and I feel like doing a charity drop is it's not breaking the rules but I also get to get in the car be by yeah. myself for five minutes you know yeah. I love being by myself just for a few minutes yeah it's funny it reminds me of when I had Maggie and she's eight now but um when I was breastfeeding her and I felt like I never got a break from her and then one day she took a bottle with like about one mil of breast milk in it so James was like, you could, you could probably go to the M&S garage. And I was like, oh my God, don't feed her until I start the engine. <laughs> and I just drove to the garage with really loud music on. And I was like, woohoo, freedom! And came back and he's like, yeah, she's been crying for 10 minutes. But just that tiny little, t- tiny taste of freedom. Yeah, it's oh. weird, isn't it? Yeah. But I drove, when I drove out this morning, because it's raining, it was like a ghost town. Yeah. Because everybody said it's been so busy with the sunshine. Yeah. But it's, it, was, it was literally a ghost town because it was raining. Um, yeah. And I did pop into a shop to get something. And I was the only person in there for about 15 minutes today. Oh. So I was like, oh, this is nice. Mm. Oh, I'm going to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is a novelty. I haven't, and then it was a novelty because I haven't seen a pizza for two weeks. I was like, I'm going to buy this pizza. <laughs> pizza home for lunch and the kids honestly it, it shows you how gratitude kicks in because the kids were like holy hell it's a pizza <laughs> and it was just like christmas you know like and i was like oh my god everybody i bought a pizza through the door <laughs> yeah they're around the pizza look at it <laughs> oh yeah so yeah that's Aww. that pizza was the highlight of our lunch i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but it shows you that they feel quite grateful for stuff 
Whereas yeah. before they'd be like, oh, I don't like that pizza. Why has it got that on it? Or nothing. They were just like, it's a pizza. I don't care what's yeah. going on. And even to the point yeah. where like, my son doesn't really like mushrooms, but he was like, oh, I'll take the mushrooms. <laughs> so, you know, like all of that is, you can see that they're actually being, they're being quite grateful for stuff. It's a, it's, it's switching, isn't it? And I think in some ways I've always wished for that to happen. And I've wondered how I could personally make that happen. And I don't have to do anything at the moment because it's happening. Yeah, there's, there's, there are some silver linings to uh, some of the lessons our kids are learning. And following from our example, I guess. Um, yeah, it's good. It's positive. I wish I could stop mine fighting, but I, I love that they are, there are things they're not taking for granted. There are some things they can't have. And yeah, it's good. There are some good life lessons being learned. Um, we are joined by a special guest today. We've got the lovely Aga Kahinda with us. Hi, Aga. Hello. How are you guys? We're very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for inviting me as well. Thank oh, you. You're so welcome. You're so lovely. I actually got the opportunity to speak to you a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't get off the phone to you for about two hours and I'd never even spoken to you before. <laughs> so, I know everything about Aga. Over to you, Liberty. <laughs> Now, this is the problem. Um, I can't introduce you, Aga, because you are so accomplished. You have so many different strings to your bow. And it should also be added. <laughs> you sh Don't be shy. It should also be added that you are coming to us live from work today. You work for the, you're working for the NHS today. So you are in the cancer unit of hospital. I can't remember, I'm sorry, where you said you're working today. But that's okay. I'm, I'm working at St. Luke's Cancer Centre, which is based in the Royal Surrey Hospital. And yes, this is my one of my many hats on, um, and I'm serving the public today. <laughs> See, you're already, you are, you're amazing. I'm just um, being an NHS worker, those days, we're right there already. <laughs> now, um, I should have listened more carefully, because you're really close to me. I, uh, I'm in Guildford as well. And I know that that's one of the most incredible units in the country. And my dad was treated there a couple of years ago and um, incredible, incredible place. But as well as the work you do there, you do so many different things. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So um, I can't escape that one. My background is in nursing. So I've been a cancer nurse for over the last 20 years now. And I suppose what I'm, what I am now, I'm what we call the integrative health coach, because I incorporate all the lifetime experiences as a nurse um, with my um, recent many different trainings and many different hats on that I put. So I am a professional coach and mostly focusing on coaching uh, through the medical challenges. I'm an EFT practitioner, NLP practitioner, and um, yes, so many hats on, and this is what I do. I ultimately support people through um, big life challenges. Right, and you do that both within the NHS and privately, so you are an all-rounder, a holistic, a holistic uh, kind of, assistant to any kind of health problems that people are having yeah so so within the within the nhs i'm a i'm a cancer educator and currently health and well-being lead for oncology division so i support um staff and individuals um, right. um through what's happening um currently with the coronavirus crisis but i'm also volunteering as a um cancer coach in the st luke's cancer center Fountain Center, our emotional and psychological support center. Okay, yeah, that's so that's looking after families and patients and yeah. so on. Okay, and, and for anyone who doesn't um, know, NLP is Neuralist Linguistic Programming. That's correct, yes. And EFT is Emotional Freedom Technique. Thanks. Check me out, Kat. See, I am listening. <laughs> <laughs> well done, that's exactly yes, it. That's very impressive. <laughs> um, they're two things I do know a little bit about because they're both things that I've experienced, but we'll get, we'll get onto that in, in a little bit. But um, um, do you have children of your own? Um, oh, yes, I do. I have two um, little ones, 11 years old boy, Anthony, and eight years old, Anushka. You've really got it all going on, haven't you? Amazing. <laughs> yes. I'm also uh, currently studying at the Surrey oh University. My God. Academic 
research internship on top of that. As my husband said, you know, like she's not busy enough. She needs to get something on top. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many hours are in your day? I mean, where do you fit this all in? I know. I'm asking myself the same question. Yeah. <laughs> do you just like to learn though? Are you just Mm, I, I do, yes. I always, always been very driven in terms of getting that next thing on. Um, and that both is coming from being very motivated as well as I think I'm, I'm kind of, I'm finding myself very well in the space of learning, not very good in the space of expertise. The moment I call myself an expert or something, I'm like, Ooh, that's not comfortable. I need to know more. So yeah. then I'm getting myself into this space of learning again to be that not, I don't have to know everything. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. What I'm fascinated by is that when you moved here, what, some 15 years ago from Poland, um, did you, did you didn't speak much English, did you? I didn't speak at all, no. No. <laughs> I didn't, and it was really, uh, it, was, it was great, great opportunity, because my friend kind of um, organized everything for me she was working here already as a nurse and um, it was a little private hospital and they needed some experienced chemotherapy nurses um, so I kind of came as a back of she knew me and I would be good but I need to learn English very quickly so I um, yeah I had three months to learn English which I which I did to, yeah. to very you know enough level that I could communicate safely and um, start practicing nursing here um but it was quite a challenging time as well i must say reflecting on it now <laughs> i really oh. take my hat off to you actually because i always feel quite ignorant of the fact that whenever i go abroad to countries i take it for granted that everybody speaks english so i can't imagine going to learn I, you know languages haven't been a huge thing for me they have been for you though liberty because that was part of your degree was it yeah i I uh, did a German and English language degree. I love languages, but I mean, you should see me try and add up. It's abysmal. But yeah, I love languages, but it's the same as when we were talking to Mary Han last week. Her mother came to the UK um, with no language and three kids. You came to the UK with obviously an incredible brain and a great qualification. But I guess the weight of responsibility is that you're dealing with people's lives and so your English has to be so good. I cannot imagine, you know, I spent years studying language and I'm still pretty rubbish, but three months to learn English is so intense. How was that? Uh, intense. <laughs> and I yeah. felt like I was in the bubble, uh, but the, the, there was a moment in, in my life when I felt exactly like you, when you were going um, to that Marks Spencer or whatever you went for, for that little break when you shouted freedom. Yeah. <laughs> the moment I started to... I was able to talk on the phone without any stress. I was like, whoa, this is new life. Yeah. <laughs> and it really felt so much freer. I could travel and yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, but it was hard. I felt like I was constantly in the bubble, um, being on hyper alert um, yeah. to get that cues and, you know, to read between the line. But I must say, being a nurse and working with people already it helped me tremendously because, you know, 80% of communication is um, beyond the language. Yeah. So you could really bond with people. And it, it really humbled me down, I think, a lot, that experience, in a way that I, um, I needed to, you know, kind of scrap off all my experiences being an intensive care nurse back home, which is quite, you know, high up level of, of knowledge and experiences to become, again, starting from the bottom and just being with, with people and learning without the language, reading them um, without words. It was, it was amazing, actually. Yeah. And that's that's really really interesting. And when you came, did you stay with your friend, or were you you weren't married at that point? You came. No, as a I wasn't. I sta yeah, I stayed with my friend for first yeah. two months in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and then you know just building my life from from yeah. the beginning. Really, you know, start renting the room, and then met my husband, and that helped a lot with English because he's English. Yeah. So. <laughs> the beauty of that is that your kids will. Do they speak Polish? Yes. 
oh, see, I spent all this time at university and then I'm so envious of children who have, they have English and another language just because of their mother's mother tongue or their parents' mother tongue. I think that's just such a gift that most kids, and you know, then people say, oh, my children refuse to speak to me in Polish, Dutch or whatever. They just, they want to be English or they, want, they don't want to speak <laughs> my language in front of their friends. But I just think you guys are so blessed. I wish my parents well, they refuse to speak to me now um, because it's easy for them but um, they can't to my mum and dad so they they still have to make that effort <laughs> oh that's oh. really nice though isn't it yeah that's so special so um back then that's, that's like 18 years ago did you already have this kind of um because i i was saying to kat when i read about you and everyone was like wow this lady's really spiritual do you feel like you've always been a spiritual person? Were you back then or is this some way that you've evolved? No, I, I think I, I did evolve a lot. And being medically trained, you very much focus on, um, on physical aspects of, of being. And that's what I was focusing on. But there was always something missing. I wasn't sure what it was. And kind of being with um, my patients and you know, supporting them through major crisis and major life challenges, I kind of realized that there is some, there's something else and I'm very reflective. So I was reflecting a lot. So what, what, what am I doing? And you know, how, how are they doing that? What can I get from them to myself? Um, so, so that was something that made me realize that I'm missing on something. And then um, because I was focusing a lot on my physical side, I needed to get into some form of grounding or exercising or you know staying healthy and being healthy and I wasn't really good with any excessive physical activities I couldn't do much running I just didn't like it and mm. um, I you know I, I wasn't good um, at PE at school and stuff like that and I also wanted to meditate I always wanted to meditate and I couldn't do that either it was just too there were too too much and there was too little doing for me yeah. So I was introduced to Tai Chi and I think that was the first time I kind of started linking um, that there is something more than just physical body, that there is an energy, you know, there is a spirit and all, all that. And that was, that was amazing. So I've practiced that for a good 10, 15, 15 years, actually, I've been practicing Tai Chi. Um, yes. So was there a turning point with you? Did you, did you, was there like a, something that happened at any point where you felt like, I need to make a change. Have you always been, have you become now someone, can you run now? I always want to know because I'm the worst runner ever. And someone nominated me, Cat. Oh, Kat I nominated me. Sorry. <laughs> I was I so <laughs> Run five, nominate five, donate five. And I always, when people say, oh, I didn't used to do this and that, and then and now they've transitioned into this person who can do these kinds of things. I'm trying to learn to meditate because, um, I don't breathe properly and I always super stressed and so on. But I always think something that we try to advocate within well life tribe is that there are so many ways to live, to avoid being someone who crashes in some way and then picks up on all these amazing tools that are available to you in order to overcome something better to incorporate them into your life, even though everything seems all roses and to kind of keep yourself on the level. So many people pick up all these amazing things because they've been at a really low point. Was that ever like that for you? Or did you just, was it just really being around these people who were having these, these experiences that, that brought you to that point? I think it's a mixture of both, really. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a lot of low points in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, including the fact that when I came to England, I, I felt really, um, lonely and um, it was quite a difficult time for me so I needed to um, look for different ways of, of focusing um, to keep healthy and you know to keep keep myself going um, yes and and then at work I I had a very low point at at the time when I I, I think I went through the burnout period right uh, my pivotal moment of making a decision that I need to look into something else and hence I reach out and, and had a coaching myself here in the Fountain Center. And oh, I was lucky wow. enough to experience that. Um, and within one session, that was such a huge mindset. And I was, I was like, whoa, if you can do that to me, I, I want to learn how to do that to others. And really? I think that was, yes, that was, that, that was the, the time that I started looking inwards a lot. 
Right. You know, that came with a lot of revelation and, and challenging moments for me going through um, coaching training, because if you go through the coaching training, you know that you need to get a lot of coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you almost the mirror is now on you. And that transition from being a nurse who kind of thriving on telling people what to do and how to do it. Now moving into space when you are, you know, you need to create the learning environment for others. So it's on them, not on you. It it kind of is a battle with ego, you know, and on something that motivates you a lot going and helping people. Now you're stepping back and allowing them to help themselves. So I think that was, that, that was a lot that I needed to spend time and reflect being in the room with others and just being responsible for the, for the space creation. Um, I needed to be very mindful. So I started to practice mindfulness. Um, you know, I needed to be in tune with how I feel about those feelings that are coming up. So this is why I become very aware of my emotional states. So this is why, you know, that just came to me and hit me a lot. I was like, oh, I've got this bunch of emotion here. Where are they coming from? Why am I feeling about those things the way I do? And so this is why the EFT came into life. So it was just like a constant learning of being exposed to something challenging and then trying to find the right tool to be able to process that and and be able to move through it. So I can't pinpoint on one particular moment in my life. Mm. I must say that was just a, it's, it's a process. It's a constant process for me of hitting the challenge and then learning and finding the best way. I think this is what you and I talked about together, actually, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I came at it at a very different angle. Actually, I would have been one of your patients, actually, because um, I, I had my own cancer diagnosis. But um, I, so I went to coaches from that. So and a bit like what you're saying, it was um, when I did the coaching for me, that was all about self-preservation, first and foremost, because I was all over the place. But that kind of uh, it's funny, isn't it? Actually, as, you, as I'm listening to you say that, the coaching bit really, really helped me. It was like a, it was like a course of therapy all in one. But and something about when you finish it, you do you finish it, and then you go right. Who can I help? Who can I help now? And it's, it's <laughs> that, isn't it? It's you know, it's it's really interesting to hear that it has that effect on you as well. But we both came from, you know, different paths. And I think about like at the time when when I was a cancer patient, actually, and I think about someone like you coming in and if you'd have come in to talk to me, you know, there wasn't really a cancer coach when, I mean, I don't think there are that many, you know, and I think that's a shame because I, one thing I remember is when you talk about chemotherapy, when I was sat in chemotherapy, we were all sat in these great big chairs. You've got these massive machines feeding you the medicine for hours and you know you look around and you know that everybody not one person next to me ever had the same type of cancer as me you know some people were in there having it for half an hour some people were having it for six hours you know it was all mm. just all these different things but actually within that time if you I, I do think it would benefit a lot of cancer patients to have somebody like you to talk to because you you go in and it becomes very monotonous doesn't it really with cancer treatment because you live in three week blocks or four week blocks and I do think actually from speaking to you before Aga um, you are very passionate about it actually and you are very passionate about really listening to the patients which I found really lovely about you and I thought that it was just so nice that you were saying that you didn't want people to make immediate decisions on things either which I tend to think you do when you're a patient because sometimes you you want to get over it and you want to get through it but actually I think when we talked as I was saying to you actually um, a last appointment that I had when the, they almost thought that my cancer had come back and then I was like well no hold on a minute whereas normally I would have followed the process I went no hold on a minute and then because i given myself time to think about something the story ended up being very different for me whereas that's the difference I think when you've got someone like you to talk it through with if that's making sense for everybody (laughs) I just think your role as a cancer coach is just is really important actually but but it's not just you being a cancer coach it is with you uh, because at the time when I was going through I didn't know anything about EFT until I started this company Um, but all of those tools would would have been really helpful Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really important for us to remember that in the, in the midst of 
challenging situation in the crisis i mean you know you having a, a diagnosis like that you are being put in the box of crisis um, you can't think straight Therefore, you know, we, we expect you to make a decision within the minute, you know, of that particular consultation. And I, I really believe in that, that you just operate from, you know, completely from fair um, mode instead of, you know, your prefrontal cortex that is, that is switched off. So how can you make a right decision then and there? So I quite often, you know, get the backlog of, of that conversation that, patients then thinking oh i should have said i shouldn't have said that i didn't understand that really and and then you know they're going through that with that decision um for a very long time so yes i think any challenges you know the whole pandemic at the moment how many people are at home in that crisis right now yeah. so it's all about bringing them out of chaos i suppose into the mode that they can think straight mm-hmm. and i think that's my focus um at the moment with my with my coaching and, and my business is all about bringing people into balance for them to be able to make any plans for the future anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, um, it's, it's a very similar feed. That's the first thing I thought about lockdown, actually. As well. Part of the lockdown I thought was, God, I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> like everybody, this fear, this vulnerability is very similar to when you get some very serious um, diagnosis, isn't it? Because I think the similarity is the unknown um, and that leads to vulnerability and to fear. And that's what a lot of us are sort of learning that it's actually all right to be vulnerable as opposed to a lot of the time we we try to act like it's not. But I think actually, I think people need to accept that vulnerability is a really big thing that we need to accept that we're all feeling at the moment. Yes, so with, with vulnerability, what, what comes, it can come something really nice and reflective and um, yes, I'm okay with it. The problem starts when the vulnerability brings an unexpected and unwanted emotion, you know, so scarcity about being vulnerable or anxieties and, you know, fear, that, those, those things are coming with it as well. I think that that would be a good time to ask you then about EFT because if people don't know about EFT, one of the things that I, I'll ask you to describe that. I'm sure lots of people do now because it's sort of growing and growing in popularity. And one of the reasons I think it's so cool is because once you learn about it, it's a takeaway tool that people can do for themselves. And I can speak from experience because I had a time where I was very anxious about um, my mum. She, my mum and dad broke up the year I got married, so 2005, and my mum immediately moved to another part of the country. And I'd always been a really anxious child, so my mum used to say things like, if you lot don't stop fighting, I'm going to put my coat on, and I'm going to walk out of here and just shut the front door. And I would be like, oh my God. My brother and sister were like, yeah, good, go, go on. <laughs> and I genuinely was like, oh my God, guys, she's going to go. And my mum didn't realise at the time, I'm sure, but it must have like built up this, I thought she was going to, I'm, I'm the eldest child as well, but I was always super sensitive. So then this kind of grew and grew. She didn't say it all the time, but just a couple of times probably was enough for me to start thinking, oh my God. So then as a kid, I used to follow her around the house and she'd be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah. And she'd be like, what do you, what do you, why, what do you, what do you need? Do you need something? I'd be like, no, no. And I was obviously keeping an eye on her in case she got her coat on and ran out the front door. Anyway, as an adult, I always was the one worrying about her protecting her. Then they went through the divorce and then I was married. They got divorced and she moved really far away. Anyway, so we're newlyweds and my husband was just like, all you're worried about all the time is your mom. You worry about your mom all the time. She's fine. She's, yes, she's just got divorced, but she's got this lovely new house. She's got her dog. She was, you know, she was like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I'm going, she must be lying. She can't be happy. What are we going to do? She's too far away. I need to go and see her. So it got to the point where my husband was like, you need to try to find a way to calm yourself with this because you're becoming obsessed. And I was, and I can see that now in reflection, but it was something I guess that had grown and grown in me. And I ended up by default seeing this, this is a whole different story, but I ended up seeing this lady called Eileen who talked to me about my mom. And then one day she just started saying to me, right, start tapping here on your forehead. And I was like, oh my God, what, what's going on now? And I did it. And then, you know, tap here, tap here. 
and I was repeating things like, um, you know, my mom is a grown woman, just these little mantras I was repeating to myself. Anyway, I, I came out of this session and I came home and I was like, James, you won't believe what Eileen made me do today. And I guess this is like 2005. So this is a while ago. And, uh, I realize now that I stopped worrying about my mom pretty much immediately. And so when I joined Wildlife Tribe and Kat said, you know, we're going to be speaking to people who do EFT, I was like, oh, oh my God, EFT. Because <laughs> I hadn't really heard about it again until, so that was, uh, whatever, 15 years ago. And I hadn't, it wasn't something that I'd heard of, of again since that time. I did a, a few more sessions with Eileen after that, but have done a few since. And it's just so, so incredibly effective in my experience and it's something that I don't know if you use it with um, Anthony and Anushka or it's just such an amazing tool. And I, so you've heard me babble on about it. Tell, 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 tell everyone. I love it. I just, I, I want you to speak about it and you just think so much good work. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I do, I do use uh, EFT extensively. Actually, they've grown into my practice and it's embedded now um, in every single stage. So um, just to kind of put in the perspective of if, if someone comes to me, it's usually, you know, it's usually in the crisis and it, it could be a medical crisis. And this is probably what I work here in the, in the fountain center most. Um, but I do see people in the personal crisis or the business crisis as well. And the first thing that we need to do is to, to bring people out of that crisis into balance. Um, so this is where I introduce um, EFT. So EFT may not be for everyone. And then, you know, we could do a little bit of mindfulness or any grounding exercise that will bring that emotional state up. But I really um, love EFT. I use it on myself. Um, but, I think everybody should give it a try, though, shouldn't they? Yes, I think people should give it a try. And whoever does, they like, whoa, what, what just yeah. happened? <laughs> it's amazing. It really is amazing. And but just, just to give you a, um, what EFT is, so EFT yeah. stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques. So it's a bunch of different techniques using tapping. Um, and it's a powerful self-help tool. And is, um, this is just simply based on the research that is showing the emotional trauma, emotional distress contributes greatly to a disease. Um, and, you know, we've got now a lot of clinical trials that shown the EFT is able to rapidly reduce the emotional impact of memories and incidents that trigger the emotional distress. So I suppose for you will be that's what happened with your mom in the past and then all the emotional states that you found yourself later on in life. Mm. I think that's, that's what it was. So yeah. it uses elements of cognitive therapy and exposure therapy and combined this with, um, with acupressure, so with the ancient acupressure um, techniques. And you use fingertips and you tap on eight points and it's really, really useful. I use EFT in two ways. So one is for um, self-help tool, and this is what I teach my clients. Um, and it's very quick self-rebalancing tool. So when you're in emotional states, you just tap on the points, not necessarily even have to say um, any statements, and um, just to bring yourself back into balance, bring yourself back into calm state. So then you can start thinking again. Um, and then we use EFT later on. So the, so the first stage for me is always, let's bring you back into, you know, put your thinking cap on so you can actually talk about things and see them from different perspective, not from the angle of being in anxiety and stress mode or whatever emotional charge that you're bringing into the session. And then we start looking at, okay, so what's happening to me? What is meaning for that? And why this is happening to me right now? And why did I actually have this huge emotional response to it? And this is why EFT in therapeutical way comes in. So this is, you've got different methods. You can go back into the past and see where that particular belief or particular emotion was first inserted in you. Because this is just the beliefs, is, is the mapping that we're building through life. And... You know, we, we've got stuff that we're bringing from ancestors and our parents and, you know, the whole ecology of, of us around. So EFT in that setting is actually clearing things from the past that they no longer triggers you in the present moment. And therefore, you know, going into the future, you no longer have those responses, emotional responses to particular events. Welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All with Well Life Tribe. 
We're sponsored by Renourish. Renourish are delicious grab-and-go fresh soups in a pioneering, heatable, fully recyclable bottle. Renourish soups are plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free and packed with vitamins. Find them in all Waitrose stores. I did EFT as well, actually, and it's so true you're saying. Um, I did it because I had to get up in my job a lot. I have to get up and speak in front of lots of people. And Liberty will back you. I used to sort of go, ah, I'm my throat, I can't speak. <laughs> and I'd get up on the stage and I'd go, oh no, I can't, I can't, I'm gonna choke, I'm gonna choke. And every time I'd get up and do it fine, but I'd be like, I need some sweets, I need some water. And I'd have this massive panic attack. Oh. So I kept saying to people, I was going, I think, I don't know what's going on. Every time I get, I get this really horrible tickle and it's a nervous thing and I don't feel that nervous and I couldn't understand it. So then I went and did EFT actually with um, one of our panel members, Preeti. And exactly what you say, she took me all the way back to a point I didn't remember though. I didn't realize that that point in my life, which was a school play. Um, when I was about uh, nine or 10, which got me so worked up and nervous at this school play that it really had an effect on the, every time I got up on stage, which was crazy because until we did that session, I didn't even remember that. And I was just like, and but then when we went, it was like she flicked for a file in my head. And then when we got to that file, I was like, that play and then I was like horrified at the thought of that play again <laughs> she did this whole tapping with me and we did it for a couple of sessions and then I don't know if you remember Libby I then got on stage in front of like 400 people to talk and that's yes. like, I was just like yes no, no frog in my throat I don't need a drink and I don't need any sweets now you can all hear me speak and I'm very good at talking <laughs> 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 it was the EFT and I it was going back to that point, and actually, it reminds me when I was listening to um, the God Tony Robbins, when he well, actually I was watching his Netflix thing, the Guru thing, and he is speaking to a boy in it with a stutter, who they were like, "Where did that stutter come from?" And then he goes all the way back to it was when his parents used to fight all the time, and he couldn't get a word in, and he was like, "Up, up, up," and actually, that's where the stutter came from. Age five, he was now oh. like twenty-six. And when they reached that point of finding that stutter with the EFT, it, it went and it was just like crazy. So I'm a really big believer in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's, it's, it's all about those responses, isn't it? Now that so something has been planted in us and every time someone makes us feel the way that that first experience made me feel, not necessarily the same experience, but the feeling that experience may bring it will grow it's like a branch isn't it growing into the yeah this is subconscious limitation isn't it though? absolutely absolutely yes yes because i didn't remember that play you see, i didn't know where that came from whereas say liberty remembered the moment with her mum i didn't remember that play until i laid down and i was like i don't know what you're talking about what subconscious experience will take you back. yeah it will take you back what it needs to meant it will, it will find that right place um, I, my big um, limited belief that I overcome and I, I believe that that's a huge success for me because it took me quite a long time to get into it. Um, it was about money. So I had a money mindset um, being brought up by uh, working class parents in Poland when it was a communist time. So having a money was shady and not having a money wasn't good. So I unconsciously was planted belief that having money is bad and not having your money is bad. So really <laughs> that one. I know. Get out of that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I cognitively understood, you know, so I've done a lot of NLP around it, so changing the paradigm of it. And it didn't work only when I did EFT and I went back all the way into when I was young, very young, and I overheard the big argument of my parents that my mom wanted the money so she was pushing my dad to something and my dad didn't want to because he wasn't wanted to be perceived as you know party related person i i would not remember that conversation only by doing eft going back i was like whoa and now i'm fine it's wow. funny isn't it it's so funny where these things come from though because we must have so many more of these things in our back pocket that we just don't realize we could probably just go and deal with a few things. And I think it's that thing when you get to something and it, you suddenly feel 
I'm limited. Why? Why am I, Why is that stopping me? Yeah. And um, but when when you suddenly deal with it, then you open up with these things. Yeah. It's just so. I don't know. It's just what's freeing. Yeah. It's yeah. so uh, working with children is 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 beautiful as well. I mean, I work with my son and my daughter very often, and you you don't. Well, I don't work with them like I work with adults. So it's more like we lie down in the evening and we just have when we're talking about the past event in the day. So I know that there was something we don't go, I don't go directly into it. I just tap around it and, and let them talk. Um, they're not really keen of tapping ad hoc when, when they are in, you know, distress situation. That's like, yeah. Let me tap you or go away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to tap backwards. So my son is really good with that. My daughter, for example, she doesn't like tapping on her, but she's got her little dolly and she likes tapping on her which is fine as well, we call that borrowing benefits. So you tap on someone, but you affecting yourself. So it's a lot That's clever. So when you tap on children, that's to keep them calm and yes. take the stress away, you know, like, and I'm just thinking, you know, like when we go back to these things, like Liberty was saying with like being a worried child about her mum putting a coat on and leaving the house, you know, like, I suppose it's better for us to try and get to those root problems before they manifest into full adulthood, you know, and it's just people, parents probably being more mindful, isn't it, about what you're saying, like, like with your parents also, about what you're saying in front of your children. Yeah. It's quite difficult to be really mindful though, but you do have to sort of register it somehow, don't you? Yeah, but you also want to children to be exposed to some of it. I mean, you know, I, I really believe, especially now, don't shield too much children they need to see how you cope with emotions how you cope with fears and anxieties and especially now you know there's no point pretending they they know much more they're much more spiritual the fact that they can't verbalize that on that level doesn't mean that they know they will send something is off very quickly but what they're looking at is the, how is she dealing with it so i know how i can deal with this in the future and that's how they register so i i feel don't shield children from it be with them through it yeah I agree actually I think that's really good advice for people as well because I think um, these days we're just constantly trying to protect children but that's again to do with the fact that you know we're living in times when we were kids we were allowed to go outside and play and come back at five o'clock it's not the same now you know we, we don't have that same thing so I, is that now because are we being more protective than ever yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is an element of that. There is more um, fear factors that we are aware of, I suppose, than, than the, it was before. But that has another element that I always think about is that stripping children off of being able to develop their own processes and their own tools. So when we were on our own till that five o'clock, we had fights, we had fallen out with our friends. We needed to, um, you know, make up with the friends in our own time. We had not have adults over us saying, you need to go and say sorry within a minute of being upset. We, we had that time. We developed that ourselves, those responses. So yeah. true, isn't it? Because I actually, you just made me feel really bad. I know I say that to my son. When I walk past and I hear him now, and I'm like, say sorry to him. Say sorry to your friend. I think probably doesn't want to say sorry yet. He needs to call me like looking at me like mind your own business you're all bad <laughs> <laughs> i've been getting texts during this podcast saying um wolf just called me a willy head so uh, the problem with now is that we're, we're stuck in the house and I what do i do with it now <laughs> <laughs> i'm like leave me alone but i guess everything can be fixed with eft so just say what you like in front of them <laughs> exactly the funny that. thing <laughs> the funny thing with my mom was the the fix was so quick once I developed these EFT skills and I was able to practice myself that I remember at one point she was like, why don't you call me anymore? <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, you're okay. You're okay, aren't you? <laughs> because I guess I had been ringing her all the time. And then she was like, oh, so nobody cares about me anymore, do they? But it's just, it's, it's so incredible. And when there is something like this that exists, you want everybody to know because you think, there is a way to self, it's like self-soothing a baby, isn't it? It's, there is a way that you can help yourself that is so, I mean, it's a complex thing that's taking place, but it's such a simple way to enable that change, that shift in yourself. I, I that, like that 
long-term self-soothing, I think that um, it, it suits very well description of EFT because EFT is all about sitting with your emotion in a very compassionate way. Not compassionate to the point that, well, I'm, 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 I'm aware of it, but I'm aware and I'm okay with it. And I'm choosing to, to process and let it go. That's the compassionate approach with EFT. And I'm fascinated by it because with all my experiences in cancer, I think when the person becomes compassionate toward themselves, that's where the healing starts to take a process. Yeah, um, I think that's really right as well. I think because actually a lot of people, when they first get diagnosed, I want to know why, first of all, what did they do wrong? And that is such a, and I remember sitting in the chair and I used to sit there thinking, what did I do wrong? And I remember going to the doctor going, why have I got this? You know, like, because you get so many whys. Did I, what did I do wrong? Did I, did I drink too much when I was younger? Did I do this? Did I, you know, you go through the whole list of everything that you did. And he's like, no. And all they could say to you at the, at the time was, it's just bad luck. Yeah. But then you walk yeah. away thinking, God, is that, is that it? It's just what? bad luck. <laughs> I thought bad luck was, I don't know, somebody putting a hair on my food, you know. <laughs> like. so what you're describing is this process of grieving, isn't it, with, with any major change in your life. And yeah. that, that's fine. What, what I kind of get into, I get into afterwards. So you kind of go through that and then what now? A lot of people started to either push themselves to feel positive and, and try to build themselves up, but they're not ready yet because they're still not okay with what is. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what I'm building um, my clients around is to be compassionate and be okay with what is. We will get the tool to, to process the things from the past and we get the tool to, to move you forward, but you need to be okay with what is. And that, that's the biggest piece of work with change management. Yeah, and that takes time actually, because you have to go through a cycle of different things to get to a point. I was speaking to this um, girl um, who's a holistic nutritionist on Instagram, actually, because she had got a cancer diagnosis a few months ago, and she's going through all of these different kind of things. And we got talking just because she'd seen my Instagram, her Instagram, whatever, and then she'd gone, and I have this year come for another, what I would say, loop. And I don't know whether I feel like sort of more spiritually opened even wider, and I... She's like, well, what are you doing to, you know, like cope with it now? And there's a few things I'm doing. I said, I, you know, I don't think you're ready for it yet. Cause I think you've still got to go through your stages mm. and you can't jump to where I am because I'm in like five years into this or whatever, but there is a clearing you have to do, but you have to start where you have to start. You can't jump it. You can't jump the queue for these things, can you? No, you can't. And there is this model um, that is used in the business coaching world is the change management model. So when something happens and there is a change implemented and then we need to bring order, that's the first step. The second, the second step will be, you know, to start trying the new things or so failing, learning from it, then learning from others and then go to business as usual. So I've noticed something that with this coronavirus and looking at social media and how people coping with it, they move very quickly. If something happened, I brought the order. So I feel I is business back to usual, but it's not. The learning, the, the failing, you know, all these moms who put the, uh, you know, the, the, the learning lessons for kids and organizing that in job weeks in the morning and, you know, 10 o'clock you need to do English and maths and things. And then now they're like, oh my God, I struggle with that and with that because they're not allowing, they think it's business as usual, but it's not. They're not allowing this period of adjustment and learning and failing and building resilience and trying different things. And, and then going into others and learning from others. And that then may be a new reality, but it's not yet, we're not even close there yet. Yeah. Mm. No, it's interesting, actually. I was thinking about that the other day in terms of social media and the coronavirus, all of this. Um, and had this happened like 10 years ago, the sharing on feelings wouldn't be the same, would it? You know, like, it wouldn't be possible. No, and people are, you know, sharing, like, today I don't feel, you know, today I'm having a rubbish day, tomorrow. You, nobody would have shared that 10, 20 years ago. And in terms of how people, so I feel like with what you do, people are more open to accepting trying these new things because we're being a little bit more honest about how we feel. Definitely. You know, the EFT um, just came into life, you know, last, what, 10, 15 years. So it's very young tool. So obviously there's a reason why it's so getting popularity now because we're ready. What do you use it for daily? Do you use it daily? Me? Mm. Yeah. 
So I've got my EFT routine. Um, so I do, I do in the evening and I do once a week. Evening routine is like, you know, for before I go to bed, if I need to. Uh, but my, I definitely do every Friday night. That's my kind of, it's like a cleansing routine. <laughs> and I also do if I, if I get triggered by something. So if something happens at work, um, I had something last week that triggered me, triggered some insecurity from external validation. And I was like, whoa, where's that coming from? So I spent like two hours, good two hours tapping and trying to get into the bottom. But because I'm doing so much tapping, I anchor it already. So I, I can only think about the process of tapping and that calms me down already. Yeah. Wow. The more you do, more regular work you do, then then it's just easy and, and becomes a, a habit and all, you know, just, just bringing that into mind may be helpful. But I will, I will start, if I was giving an advice to someone, just start from the big ones, you know, the things that are coming up into your life on the regular basis, you know, they're your patterns. So what you are worrying about, you know, kind of on the regular basis. So you know that those are the things that you need to start tapping. So I have like a little red book in my bag and I write things down, but I started, when I started my EFT, I started writing about like 50 issues that I have to work through. <laughs> and I was tapping on every single one. I still got probably 10 to go, because it takes time, but um, that's what I would start from. And then doing stuff ad hoc. So yeah. if the kids, you know, got you out of control for a minute, um, just go out and tap very quickly. So that is very powerful, just to bring you into the state of calmness. And the difference between, let's say, breathing exercise and EFT, EFT lasts longer because it's got physical um, aspect to it. So it actually, there is a clinical study that show it reduces the level of um, cortisol about 15%. So it's, oh, wow. it's things that are happening on the physical level. So bring that level of cortisol back uh, would be quite challenging. So you will stay calm for longer. Yeah, that's pretty good to know. In terms of how people, because um, obviously I went to see somebody to do it, and now obviously we can't come and see people, but it's still as effective doing it virtually, isn't it? Yes, yes, because you're doing on yourself, and I'm just guiding you, and uh, it's just a different, it's a different paradigm we're in now, aren't we? So this become new normal, and I think we just need to have a little bit of trust that whatever therapy that we do is as effective um, online. And I, I believe it is. And I've, I've been carrying a lot of sessions online. I've got clients from Poland that I'm seeing on the regular basis for quite some time. And it's, there's no difference. Mm. Yeah, no, it's good. You live very holistically, don't you? I do. Um, I try to, actually. You're in the, are you in the early morning? You like getting up early, don't you? I do, yeah. I'm a, I've always been an early morning raiser. <laughs> Oh, welcome to Cats Club. <laughs> Not me. You justify my reasons for getting up early because I always think, uh, yeah, I love getting up early. But you, you have a whole routine going on, don't you? Yeah, I am a very, very much routine person. Always been, although I always wanted to be this free spirit person. Um, in a way, like you know, whatever. I don't need a routine. I do need a routine. <laughs> It really grounds me and, and the time that I have in the day just shrunk over the years you know so I used to um, I used to do you know three to four times a week Tai Chi very long sessions I used to go into the local Buddhist temple to do the meditations and things like that and it was really really good and then you know motherhood came and that was a huge shift I needed to work through and find my better way of of um bringing my routine so now i've got very small amount of time and i only focus on the mornings and evenings and i really keep that um very secure and safe for for that um so yes yeah, so i get up at 5 30 in the morning and i start my routine this is this ayurvedic approach of um kind of longevity and, and well-being and it works really well and i actually build that into my coaching as well as a almost like a like a social prescription that I give to to my clients. So yeah, I do um, a little bit of meditation the first thing that I get up. Then I do a hot shower with the self massage um, with some oils, and and then I do a little bit of yoga. And so if I don't have much time, I do like five or six sun salutations. If I have a little bit more time, I will 
do some yoga with Adrian and do like 35 minutes of it. And now I introduced the energy um, routine of Donna, um, Donna Heaven, I don't know if you, Donna Eden actually is her name. Um, amazing, amazing routine for, for morning kind of bringing energy up and it includes like body tapping and a few chikung stretches, which is mm. really nice. Yes. Mm. That makes sense as to why you do so much. <laughs> actually because i think you need the amount that you're doing i think you need to have some sort of routine don't you it's only when i start talking about this it seems like i have a lot on <laughs> no you do <laughs> yeah well okay. it's working for you I, I i hope so i think you know it's really important when you do this type of work when you're working with others and you support others through this big crisis and challenges in their life it's so important for you to be able your best yeah uh, and i'm really in tune with that you know so i've got my times in the month that i do take less jobs and i'm aware of that so i'm you know i'm doing the whole um spiel of of um noting my days and how i feel in days and things like that according to my um cycle period and and i, I i'm consciously not allowing myself to take much work around those days so you know it's just tuning in i think that's the whole holistic approach isn't it to tuning into picking up those cues that your body your mind your energy will give you and be able to be responsive to it don't press through it yeah. That's really interesting you say that actually, because I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, which um, the, they were talking about tuning into your cycle and that they were trying to, it was in America, and they were trying to rally people to let women have time off in parts of their cycle that when they knew that those days they were not going to be so productive or, you know, they were throwing, I don't know, where they knew they were completely off balance. So what they wanted was to try and speak to employers about not letting them work those days or you know putting their time into different hours that's that's a little bit too much isn't it because i i think it's not about being less productive it's being productive differently being so productive where everybody gets punched in the face <laughs> yeah, not being you know forcefully productive but being you know, a bit more creative or whatever you know reflective that's a different yeah, yeah. no i'm joking i mean the being productive with a few chocolate bars <laughs> <laughs> but it is just kind of I, I mean it's just um going back to what you do again i mean the eft the kind of cancer coaching so everything that you do now at the hospital you say you also help healthcare professionals is that the other thing you do yes what do you what, how does that work so um I'm, I'm a part of the health and well-being lead group in the trust and what we're looking at is how to support um, the staff through these challenging times i mean yeah. this is something that is ongoing anyway but now because we're in the crisis we need to look at this slightly differently so we need to make sure that the basic needs are met you know like they're having drinks and food and uh, you know they're safe at their homes and here and how we support emotional and psychological well-being as well um so you know organizing different models of support um so because i work in the fountain center i kind of collaborate with them and get them on board to support our staff with having one-to-one -one sessions with you know psychotherapists and that sort of things because i i coach staff members as well um so that, that is something ongoing anyway. So I know where the kind of hot spots are, who will need more support now because of the resilience level. Yeah. Um, obviously we'll have a new um, oncoming. And I think that the things will surface a little bit later. So we need to build the big strategy around it before it happens, like, you know, backlog of, of being in a stressful situation for quite a prolonged time. It may have some um issues later on we may have some issues later on so yeah because i can imagine that they're so focused right now aren't they that they're actually not thinking of anything for themselves no that when this starts to stop that's when the sort of the trouble will start yes exactly because then we reflect on decisions we reflect of you know um, different situations and that sort of things and i think at the moment what's really important that's what we are focusing in the trust is that social support you know, so making sure that the teams are bonding together, making sure that we get the messages from public, how supportive um, they are for our NHS workers. That is so important for us here in NHS at the moment. Don't ever underestimate that. That is so important, us hearing those that, you know, we're doing this and this is the whole purpose of it. Yeah, because I feel like some of the, the media part of it, 
is almost making out all the NHS workers are like soldiers, mm. you know, like, and I don't know if that is the right kind of way to, to see it because I, we want to see them as people. That's why we're doing the clapping, isn't it? That's why we're I had a, a minute silence today. You know, people, there's a lot of emotion in this, isn't there? lot of emotion I feel really emotional I feel very emotional every Thursday when I go out to club I really do <laughs> yeah but at the moment we are in the um, we're still in the midst of it so we are in the crisis and comparison to being a soldier is not far off because it is like a it's like a battlefield isn't it we are going through you know I will dare say like traumatic events at the moment mm. um, yeah the only the only difference between us as a NHS workers, and this is why this health and well-being strategies are really important, is soldiers are trained to preserve themselves. So they know they need to sleep, eat, drink, you know, and they need to rejuvenate very quickly. The NHS workers don't. We are trained to sacrifice, you know, to, to be yeah. there. That's the difference between the soldiers and the NHS workers. That's, that's my opinion. That's how I feel. Therefore, reminding them, therefore, you know, supporting them in that basic needs is so important. Yeah, yeah. very important. Um, and I think, you know, like what you do, we need more of you, don't we? Mm. We do this all yeah. around the country. It would be great to see a big injection of money go back into, I mean, mental health funding for the NHS is one of the most cutback areas, isn't it? If so many people are, I mean, we're talking PTSD, it's been like a war zone, hasn't it? So the people who are on the front line, the people who are often are providing that kind of medical care are the ones who are going to be needing it the most. So hopefully it will be a big jolt where the government will start to put some money back in because so many people are going to be, so many deaths, so many families, so much bereavement, so many broken hearts. It will be good to see um, some changes made. It's a shame. It's like I was saying earlier, something huge has to happen for, for these changes to come about like we were saying about people making change in their own lives to uh, look for wellness, but hopefully some good will come out of this and people will be able to heal in that way. This is, this is happening. I mean, there is more emphasis on mental health well-being now, more than ever, um, to be honest. We are bombarded by the different you know, recommendations and different um, models of help. So it's, it's really good. I think it opens mind. How that's going to be implemented is another matter. Mm. We could talk to you all day. <laughs> and I'm talking right? to you already. And I love everything that you do, Aga. You're a very special person. And I think people will want to definitely get in touch with you. So how, how can we find you? So I, I operate mostly online at the moment, like probably everybody else. <laughs> so you can find me on my website, on Instagram, um, Twitter, whatever. It's just very simple. It's Aga Kahinde. <laughs> That's it. I keep it simple. I run a tapping hub. It's open and free at the moment for another two months. So um, this is something that we meet and we tap on the weekly basis as a um, routine tapping. And then we've got group tapping and we've got one-to-one -one session with them as well. I also run a Instagram question and answer live every Tuesday with my fellow tapper when we talk about different issues and how tapping can be helpful. And we do a little round of tapping as well. So that every Tuesday, half past eight in the evening on my um, Instagram. Oh, great. I think we should um, get the team to join in on that, actually. It'd be really good to all of us have a, have a little go with that. <laughs> I think you're amazing. So I well, I will definitely be joining your class um, to give it a go because I I know how well it works actually. Same here, same here. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be singing your praises. It's so lovely to speak to you. It's uh, we are one person on paper, and that was like whoa. I thought you were going to come online, and then you were just going to be you'd be like who's this stupid liberty person? But you're so warm. <laughs> I'm like the least spiritual person ever. I that's not true <laughs> you are i think you're very spiritual you don't realize that you're like me you think you're not but you are look i've got crystal on my neck i mean i've got crystal in the hospital on my neck <laughs> <laughs> you're an earth angel we are so so blessed that you've spoken to us today and aga we are so honored that you took time out of our, your day in the amazing cancer ward um and we're so grateful for everything that you do 
for everybody that you encounter. And probably my dad would say the same thing too, because he's lived and breathed in that very place you're, you're, you're speaking from now. So thank you so much for giving us your time today. Yeah, because, um, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you guys for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. And I love your podcast and I love what you do. You try. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to keep talking to you. Uh, I'm driving up to the hospital now. <laughs> when this is all over, we will definitely meet up with you because, oh, um, you know, you are fantastic. And yeah. we will just say to anybody that's listening to the, uh, this at the moment, if you haven't tried EFT, try it. Please, you know, please try yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and join on to Aga's classes because they're free for you to try. So that's oh, yeah. better, isn't it? Oh yes, yeah, I do, sorry. I also run the free one-to-one sessions um, um, for the for this period, and I do week two weekly themes. This this two weeks is parenting, so I've got parenting issue we're tapping on. So ah, everybody's not a real life human being. She has fifty-five hours in her day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where do you fit this all in? <laughs> uh, you're you are amazing and it's lovely what you give to people and actually nobody can obviously see you because they can hear us but we can see you and you've got the smiliest face to go with mm. it so mm. it's awesome. a you, smiley face going with it um but thank you again aga thank you so much for talking to us today yeah mwah. Mwah, mwah, mwah. thank you aga thank you guys see you soon. Bye. thank you